The subject, as you're probably well aware, is uh, chapter four in the subject of the key doctrines of the Christian gospel. And chapter four is on the matter of repentance and faith. Two together, repentance and faith. They're connected. I'm going to assume, again, as others have done, that you've probably read that section. I will be referring to parts of it, of course. Um, but again, uh, I'm not going to go through it methodically. Um, I want to refer to it and to give you what the Lord's given me in my heart to talk about repentance and faith. Repentance is something that we really, I think, go back to the very beginning of our dealings with God. Um, because repentance is something we have to basically accept and understand before we can really move into any understanding of God. Because the first question we ask ourselves when we talk about repentance is repentance of what? What is repentance? We all know from life that repentance or a more common usage would be say, well, it's when you say sorry. It's when you do something wrong and you say sorry, you're repentant. And of course, when you think down these lines, they come, it comes in all shapes and sizes, doesn't it? We say sorry so easy. Sometimes we start conversations with sorry. <laughs> and the question really comes down, well, how much do we believe it in what we're saying? The actual Bible word, when you look up its meaning, it means to change direction. And that's rather important because if you are genuinely sorry, if you have genuine repentance, then you're going to deal with it in a proper way. And that means that you're going to change. You're going to change your mind. You're going to change your conduct. Uh, you're going to change direction. So when we focus on the repentance towards God, then we're looking at these things. Change. If there is no change, then there should be a question about repentance. I've said this before, and I apologize uh, if you've heard it before, but uh, many, many years when I was a little lad, well, a few years ago anyway, um, we used to have a, uh, a New Year time up in Scotland. We had people invited to come and give their testimony. It was usually a, a platform for encouraging youngsters to get up on the platform and start getting used to speaking publicly. And I couldn't wait. one of the funny things we always remember was, was one young lad got up there and, and, and said that uh, he had been saved from debauchery and sin at the age of five. And his whole life had changed. <laughs> and of course, it caused great hilarity because, well, how bad can you be at five? You know, how, what, what wrong have you done in five at the age of five? Of course, what it brings into focus is that we used to enjoy uh, the message from uh, people giving their testimony of people who had lived a sinful life. 
and they met the Lord and their whole life changed. And there was evidence of true repentance. Of course, those of us who are or have been brought up in uh, under the guidance of Christian parents, then we seem to have a more of a difficulty in appreciating and understanding when we came to repentance. When was that date? What was the time when we really realized we needed to repent of our sin? I know from my own point of view, I had great difficulty with it because I could never remember at any point in time where I met the Lord for the first time. I just seemed to be born a Christian. I went to Sunday schools and went to all the church meetings and I always believed in God. But of course, I'm talking to people who are Christians and understand that there is a necessity even for people like me brought up with Christian parents, brought up with the stories of the Bible, that there comes a point when you need to realize your need for a savior. So whether it's a realization later in life, then it has to come. And it's something that's challenging. And it's something that's important that we can look back. And if we can't find a date, at least have moments in time when we knew that God was dealing with us. It says in 2 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 10 that godly sorrow brings repentance and leads to salvation. It's the godly sorrow that we need to focus on, is the understanding of what you're really sorry about, what you're really repentant about. It involves change. I was thinking about the story of Zacchaeus. If you remember, you all know that story of the little man who climbed a tree to see Jesus and Jesus stopped and said to him today, I must stay with you in your house. The point about that story that it says of Zacchaeus that he was a tax collector and they were, they were thieves, they were robbers, they cheated people. And because of that, he was quite rich. His encounter with Jesus, and it doesn't give us a lot of detail when you read about it. Um, we don't know what Jesus actually said to him when he was in his house or how the old experience developed. But there came a point when he stood up and he said, I'm going to give back half of everything that I've stolen. And if anybody still has a quibble about it, I'll, I'll hand it over. There was a repentance there. It changed his life because there came a realization of his need to repent. He had met Jesus and he had heard the words of Jesus. Now, when that point was, of course, is maybe debatable, the fact that he wanted to see Jesus in the first place, was that the stirrings of repentance? Was that the activating of faith in his life? Was that the working of the Holy Spirit in him? Maybe. 
He climbed the tree because he wanted to see the man. He wanted to see Jesus. Was it just the figure or did he want something more? I'll leave that just to use it as an illustration that at some point he saw the need for repentance and by faith he acted and the evidence of the repentance was seen in his actions. It's a challenge to us today, you know, that there's many people I believe who have said sorry to God, have um, maybe said sorry to the priest or the minister or to overseers, and there is no evidence in their life of any change. And that causes question marks, because that's what repentance means, to change direction, to change conduct, to change your mind. And if there's no evidence of change, then it's a question mark. There's a need for repentance. There's a need because of the effects of sin. We've been thinking, of course, before about sin and the devastation that sin causes. And of course, as we've done it, I'm doing it again, we're going to be repeating it maybe many times to go back to the Garden of Eden to go back to um, when sin came in and the horror of it all and the devastation it called to, caused to Adam and Eve and therefore caused to mankind is something that demands our concentration and demands our meditation on what happened there. Because it was, it was the spirit and the soul and the body that died. You know, when we, we just talked about the Lord saying to Adam and Eve, don't eat of the tree of the knowledge in good and evil because you'll die. It can be very flippantly put and passed over. And then 900 years later, Adam died or whenever it was. That's not all it was. Death was not just a physical thing. It involved the spirit. It involved Adam and Eve's spirit of fellowship with God's spirit. That died. That relationship they had with God, that communion they had with God, that understanding finished. Their soul died to God as well. Because in the soul, you look at the... Uh, the mind, uh, the emotions, and the will. And that was all focused Godward. That was all in line with the thinking of God and the purity of holiness. That died. They no longer had that. That was devastating to them. And of course, the body died as well. There started to be the decaying, the rotting, started in the body and it took a long time I guess for eventually Adam to his body to succumb to death. So when you read Romans 5 and 12 it says therefore just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin in this way death came to all men because all sinned 
So there's a realization, of course, that although you're only five years old and you're asking for repentance, there is a need because you were born in sin. And there is no excuse. We can't just say, well, it's not my fault. I had no choice in the matter of being born. I had no choice in my parents or the way I was brought up. There's a command of the Lord Jesus Christ, the command of God is that all men repent. We need to realize the horror of sin in order to understand repentance, to be able to understand what Adam and Eve had before sin, and then just to take what was probably a very sm short step to Cain and Abel, where Cain's thoughts were on murder. How do we get from the, the beauties of the Garden of Eden and the communion with a holy God to one man desiring to murder another. And that's the result of sin. And of course, when you read through the scriptures, you see sin and its development and its empowering and its horror. And it's a realization, even if you're only a child, to realize that with this sin, if it's not dealt with, I can't have that communion of any sort with God. When we go back to the Cain and Abel thing again, just to be even thinking about their um, teaching or Adam and Eve's teaching to their children about how to, in some way, get back to God. And you've got Cain bringing the first fruits of the ground. What was wrong with that? Well, we learn in scripture it was wrong because God did not find favor with it. And so therefore, he was probably told there was a necessity to bring a lamb and to kill it and that blood had to be shed. And he also was probably taught that his heart had to be right with God. And therefore, he had to love God with all his heart. And maybe if he had taken of the fruit of the ground and he'd loved the Lord and he wanted to bring that and he was so full of the glories of God for seeing seed growing up into a beautiful plant, that that might even have been acceptable. I know the blood is important, as I've mentioned. But depend, we just don't know what they had been taught. But it was clearly evident when we read about the mind of God that God did not find pleasure in it. Therefore, it was disobedience. And you see in the horror of sin and the separation from God. I mentioned about the command of God. Acts 17 and 30 says that God now commands all men everywhere to repent. It's a command of God. So it's not something that people can sit down and debate over. If we want to follow God, if we trust God, we believe in God, we want to please him, then we keep his commandments. 
there are things in the Bible sometimes that we read and it's not a clear commandment and it's a test of the heart. And it can be that how much do you love the Lord as to how you respond, how much time you give and such like. And sometimes it's not that clear as to how much the Lord is demanding of you. But he is demanding of you that you repent. Now, repentance is not just for the unsaved person. But that's the beginning, of course. Repentance is throughout the scriptures for those of us who are desirous of being disciples of the Lord Jesus and who want to follow him because sin causes us to continue to fall and to fail. And the Lord keeps picking us up. And there's a need for us to continue to come to repentance all through our life. But the first act, the first realization of repentance is coming through faith. I believe, you know, that there's an element of faith in all of us because God provides the means of acceptance to him. I was just thinking, you know, that when you go right away back to the, uh, even the, the Lord coming to the earth, what was it that was necessary to prepare prepare for his coming. And it was John the Baptist who was uh, raised up uh, by a miracle, uh, born by, through a miracle uh, and raised up in a very unique way. And what was his purpose? It was to call on men and women to repent. That was the first teaching, preparing the way for Christ. When the Lord Jesus Christ had gone out into the wilderness and been prepared uh, to come back and gather his disciples around, what was the first teaching that the Lord Jesus Christ taught? It was repentance. And when he sent his disciples out and sit in by, on uh, two by two, he taught them to go out and teach men and women to repent. You can see the, the importance of repentance, the necessity to stop and think, well, what is it all about? Why is it so important to, for John the Baptist to be, his whole life to be given to preparing the way by repentance for the coming of the Savior? And for the Lord Jesus to come and start his teaching, repentance, repentance, that is what is demanded. He taught his disciples and he sent them out with that instruction. After the resurrection, the teaching of the apostles, and you read it in Acts 2, when Peter stood up the day of Pentecost, what did he teach? First thing, repentance. We need to repent of our sin. That is crucial. I think if you... Again, looking at the evidence of repentance, it was seen in these early Christians by the way they changed their life. And of course, it was, Christianity was a new thing then. And when repentance uh, was received, the, the change was obvious um, and the people could see it. Simon the sorcerer, you read about in Acts 8, was an evidence of somebody where uh, it was not evident. And it was clearly a falsehood then he saw the power that peter had and he wanted it himself he wanted this holy spirit 
so that he could have and that he could use in order to help people, as he would say, to heal people, to be given the gift. And of course, he wanted it for himself. You think, well, what's that got to do with repentance? Well, I'm, I'm tying it in really with evidence of the outworking of repentance and seeing faith in action. Peter chastised him and actually told him that uh, repent from your wickedness. Um, you have to be right with God. If you want to make things right, but you can't, you can't do it on your own. You have to need a help. You need help. We can be repentant. We can recognize that we are sinful. And we're sorry about that. And we want to do something about that. And we can't. It's a sad thing in life, you know, that a lot of people believe that uh, you can wait until the last minute, you know, just in your deathbed and then snap your fingers and say something like, I believe in Jesus Christ. And you, you, get, you get saved and you hold back your repentance or hold back your acceptance of Jesus Christ. That is not godly sorrow. I think the, the man who was uh, at the Pool of Siloam, where he was, if you remember, was at 38 years he was waiting. And every time the angel came and stirred the waters, he tried to get down there and he couldn't do it. I think that's a, a picture, you know, of the, the danger, if you like, of treating this thing of godly repentance lightly. That, that's a picture of a man who recognized his failure, <laughs> recognized the failure of his body, uh, recognized that he wasn't a, a whole man. He was just lying there, could do nothing. He's an invalid. 38 years and nobody would help him until he met Jesus who told him stand up it's a picture again of the need for us to recognize our bodies if you like ourselves that are racked with sin and that we need Christ and that we need a saviour. And then we're not going to do it on our own. We're not going to wait until the last minute because it's not in our hands. And where the genuine repentance comes in is that uh, it's a realisation that we need Christ and we need him now. And that what we have in us is going to cause death, eternal death. And so we need Jesus for salvation. We need 
in the faith that's been given us to be activated and to also call upon his name and realize he's the only one who can deal with our sin. It says in Romans 10, how shall we call on him? Um, how do we believe if we've not heard? How can we hear without a preacher? And then it, in verse 17 in Romans 10, it says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I mentioned before about the fact that we as Christians, we need the word of God too. The scriptures are full of repentance and it's not just for the unsaved. You read about Revelation in chapters two and three about the seven churches in Asia. There's many records there about these churches needing to repent. There was repentance was necessary in order that things could change. We need to, you know, as Christians, as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, as people of God, recognize that we're not perfect because we are saved. <laughs> that we need to continue to repent, to come to God in a genuine godly repentance way of realizing that we fall far short of the glory of God. And that we need to be in the word. Because that's where faith comes from. It comes from hearing. And hearing comes from the word of God. Are we in the word of God? We need faith for genuine repentance. The two go together. But faith comes from God. We can't just conjure it up when we need it. And it comes again, a genuine repentance to be recognizing we are born in sin, recognizing that our relationship with God is badly and severely affected and it needs dealing with. But by faith, by the hearing of the word of God, by the study of the word of God and with a genuine desire to change, to change our minds, to change our conduct, to change our direction, even as Christians, to be more focused like him, to present our bodies as living sacrifices. How do we do that? We, by giving it over to Christ, by giving it over to God by studying the word of God and not just reading it like a load of words, but meditating on it and re recognizing that that is God speaking to you. So you come with a heart of repentance. You believe that what you hear from the word of God is from the mouth of God. And therefore, true repentance is, I'll change. Because what I hear is God speaking to me and therefore I'll act on it. That's true repentance. And that's first of all for the sinner to be saved by grace, to be genuinely realizing his need for a savior. And it's for us too, to recognize that we're not, we're far from perfect. 
we continue to need to grow. We need to be coming regularly, daily in repentance for our sin. We continue to sin as we wait for him to come in all his glory, as we recognize all that he's done for us. Let us, with godly sorrow, listen and respond. Thank you.